everyone, and thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Bees Pod. Uh, I'm delighted to be joined as ever by our Portuguese star giving a big interview on uh, a TV or radio platform. Uh, it's not Ronaldo, but we've got Mem instead. How are you doing this evening, Mem? Very good, thanks. Um, really good to see you. And it's also excellent to see uh, Charlie back with us. Um, Charlie, uh, welcome to the Bees Pod regular episodes. Uh, you're now fully in the swing where we have you know, often two in a week and then a three-month break in between. But it's good to see you as well, mate. Nice to be here, as always. Um, and we're very excited to be joined uh, later on in today's show uh, by Laurie Walker, Barnett's goalkeeper, um, who uh, has been incredibly generous with his time. Uh, he's answered loads of questions that we've got um, and loads of questions that you've put through on Twitter as well. So that's coming up um, in around about 25 minutes time or so. But before we get to that, um, it's been a really exciting time for the Beavs who find themselves sitting up in the heady heights uh, of uh, the playoffs following an excellent run of form. Um, We last spoke after a slightly sort of shaky period where the Beavs seemed to have sort of fallen away from a very positive start. And there was a real danger, actually, that that season was in danger of petering out. But we've seen a real turnaround uh, in how the Bees have performed on the pitch with a really resilient back line and some real attacking quality as well. And so we're going to start with yourself, actually, Charlie, first of all. I guess you have, as we all have, seen a, a real change and a fluctuation in the Barnett's fortunes, but definitely going in the right direction in recent weeks. What have you seen on the pitch that's given you real cause for optimism uh, in the last few months? It's more, uh, since that blip, just more organisation, really. Uh, more structure to the team, um, you know, everyone seems to, especially in defence, everyone seems to be just a bit more on it and know their jobs a little bit more. Um, there's definitely a bit more belief around the place. Um, one thing I've noticed as well that um, I, f- I feel like I have PTSD from this because I feel like it never happens and it's happened um, over the last sort of six weeks is where we go away, get a great result away from home and then come to our next home game and then we lose. That's that's what I feel like I've got PTSD from over the years with Barnet. Um, but what we've done in the last five weeks is gone away, got great results, got clean sheets, and come back and you know not necessarily backed up the performance, but we're grinding out results at home. Um, what the one 0 against Torquay off the back of uh, the Oldham game, we went to Oldham one and came back and got Torquay, and you know that a gritty, gritty one nil. Um, you know where where this time last year or over previous seasons we might have fell short in that game and, and lost and everyone would have been like, well, what was the point in winning at Oldham? Um, so yeah, I feel like there's just a lot of belief around the place. Everyone knows what they're doing. Um, and yeah, that's all testament to, you know, Dean and the players for creating the, the togetherness. And, you know, like I said, that breeds that breeds off the pitch as well, which I think we're all noticing. Um, you know, there's a lot more bums on seats and the atmosphere is getting a lot better at the Hive. And I think, you know, long may that continue and, and hopefully it's the start of something special. Charlie started off the uh, the Barnet drinking game early with the mention of the word togetherness. Um, so that's good. <laughs> You're in Dean's good books there, mate. Um, then from a sort of tactical perspective then, um, Charlie's talked a lot about the sort of the, the mentality and, and the changes there. What have you seen uh, that's been noticeable in terms of how we've gone about approaching this game? So we kind of started to introduce it around that period where we went a bit mad and conceding goals. We started trying to introduce this kind of wing-back system, but we were playing with Carnu as kind of like the left wing back. It was kind of lopsided that we were doing. We were chemo was kind of off, like an offset left-sided defender, left back. But what I think is noticed is during that period as well is that we started to get a bit of stability. Sam Beard has come back in. We've got two proper wing backs now in, which has allowed Idris to come in to the strike, to, into the 
into the center. But the main thing I've noticed is, and it's clear that there's been hours and hours of um, work being done on the training ground. We are now funneling teams. And for those who don't understand what I mean by funneling, it's basically where everybody's body position is a sort of angling the opposition into areas, you know, and, and sort of almost like pushing them down um, a sort of passage in the pitch. I mean, where this was, um, it was against Wildstone. This was incredible. There was literally Wildstone were wanted to play through the middle of the pitch and they couldn't because every time a Barnet player came up, they their body position was basically directing Wildstone towards, you know, the areas of the pitch that, that they didn't want to go in. And then when Wildstone were trying to force the issue to try and go and play where they wanted to play, they were losing the ball cheaply because we because we were in the right position, and it was just that positioning that I thought was amazing—the body positioning, the angles of our the shape of our bodies, the way we were directing teams—and Wilson barely could lay, lay a glove on us. And I thought that was the the epitome of what I'd seen over a period, you know, in terms of developing it. It seems to have really kind of come to that game where we absolutely nailed it. I don't know about you, Charlie. I mean, from your perspective, because you've seen a lot of the away games. Mm. No, I agree. I totally agree. I feel like they, we didn't let them play. We didn't let them uh, have a sniff. Like you said, we were just so on it and and limited them to, you know, to not be able to do anything really. I think they came, Willstone came to us with a game plan and I think we nullified it down to an utter T. Like they, they, they didn't even, I can't really remember Laurie making a save, really. Uh, I know their striker missed a sitter where it got pinged across the goal and he put it wide but apart from that I can't really remember anything else and that's that's been a sort of um, a common theme over the last uh, you know four, five, six games um, one game that really stood out for me which really you know made me think this is this is a different kind of Barnet this is a different mentality that we've got now was when I went to Chelmsford Ian I know you were there as well yeah. where you know on a, on another day it was cold Tuesday night against uh, a team below us in the league uh, in the in the league below who had got a last minute equaliser in the first leg to take it to a replay it had everything set up there for a cup upset and then when we go to, when we go down to 10 men after the 65th minute or whatever it was you go in right with you know there's about 100 barnet fans here it's 4000 Chelmsford fans we've got 10 men it's FA cup we all know what's coming and the fact that, you know, Dino made, testament to Dino, made a ta- tactical change. We went after them. We got the goal and won with a clean sheet. I sort of, out of every game this season, I left there sort of with the most pride because I was like, right, we've, that's, that's Barnet now, you know, we don't get run over and we, that's our mentality and that's what we're about. Um, so that was one that stands out for me for sure within the last few weeks. Yeah, I think the Chelmsford one was a really interesting example of a game where, compared to like, you know, the previous games like Dagenham, Wrexham. And I felt even in that winning run at the start of the season, I still, and I said, I think I said at the time, I felt we were slightly, our results were slightly better than our performances. So if I think back to some of those early games at the Hive, I felt that we, you know, it was obviously brilliant to be winning those games, but we didn't kind of walk away from all of them thinking like the Halifax one or the Woking even. And you thought, oh, we were definitely like, we deserve to win that 2-3. You, you I felt at least we were coming out and actually that was when Laurie began to make a real name for himself with some of those really important saves. Whereas I think now you're spot on, Charlie, and, and Mem as well in what you were saying about the Wilson game. I wasn't at the Wilson game, but I've been in quite a few other ones where we've just seemed to have moved from being a very defensively reactive side with like big men winning the ball in the box to one that's far more 
um, kind of proactive and, and really thoughtful about how we stop teams at source. And I think a couple of things that are really interesting on that, like, and I remember saying this at the time when we brought in Diara, and I, I don't want to, you know, Diara's got some real strengths as a player, but when you kind of look at the, the types of defenders we've got, someone like Collinge in there, just his intelligence and ability to read the game means that we're not finding ourselves in these sort of defensive positions where, you know, we're having to block shots or put our bodies on the line as much as we were, I think, in previous, certainly in previous seasons. And I just feel that we're a lot more um, kind of just not just, as a team, we're a lot more ironically like proactive and reactive at the same time. So instead of reacting to things in our own box, we're reacting to patterns in the opposing in the opposing team's half. And so, yeah. like, for example, you can see it. It's really smart. I think, you know, although he got sent off, I think Woods is actually quite a good player for this, but Collins in particular, I think Ben Winter in particular, his positioning, I think, has massively improved in the last few few games, you know. And the system that as well that Dean, Dean's played is really enabling the real strengths of our players to come out. You know, that kind of, like, lopsided kind of three, four that he's playing, where we, we almost have, like... um you know, Idris playing as almost like a wing back come winger and it it kind of shifts with the opposition has given us some real like sort of, I think some real smart ways of dealing with different opponents. It's not perfect, but I think there's a real, real sense of positivity. And it the really good thing for me is if I think back to some of those early seasons we had where we started on fire and then we fell away. And like the most common examples were the league season under Fairclough, we went up to League Two, where I think we were top in, you know, start of September, and then we fell away. And then the next one with Hendon, like the 09-10 season. And in both those seasons, we kind of got found out because teams just worked out how to deal with this. And my worry was this season would be exactly the same. Like we'd start off strong. And then once teams have quite kind of figured out, we were sliding down towards lower table. I think it's massive credit to Brennan and to the players that they actually seem to be much stronger for that poor run of form and have actually really turned it around. And I just think for me, I'm I'm really excited for the first time. Mem? I, I actually think the, the turning point was the South End 3-0 loss because I think that we got taught such a lesson that day. We were totally outclassed, totally out of thought. They totally, out, you know, the tact, their tactics completely nullified us. And... We came away. We came away, away feeling like, uh, and you know that we'd been like a naughty boy that had been just you know completely schooled, and you know need to go back and sort of think about their behaviour, kind of thing. And I think that potentially that was a turning point in the management team's approach, because I think since then we've come out of that of that game that could have gone one, one or two ways could have gone what went away where we basically we just completely you know lost our faith in our in our ability or we went away and we found a we found a plan and i think that's what we've done i think we've gone away and thought about it had found a plan that would work for our team and it's also noticeable as well that since then i think the recruitment has been like they're very very sort of subtle Subtle sort of um, signings, the sort of the, the Armstrong signing, and the the latest one was it Annesley. Both of those players have, have dropped into this team, and have they've looked like they've always played for us. They just they look they they don't even look like they need a sort of a, a period of adjustment. Armstrong's come in and instantly added energy and has worked really well as a kind of like an impact player. Annesley came in and he was he's been fantastic since he's come in. Uh, I think he's always had a couple of games um, and he's been brilliant. Um, so I think 
Dean's also become a bit cute with his recruitment as well. And he's really found a way to sort of find players that could really add something to this team. And we looked against Wildstone, we looked the most balanced I've seen this season. No, I can, I completely agree in terms of the, the, the things we've seen there in terms of the patterns and the balance and the recruitment. I guess, Charlie, one of the things that people are still clamouring for, it's always Barnet fans were never happy, is another striker and, and potentially back up for Cabamba. And I, I would say... I do see where they're coming from insofar as his work rate is phenomenal, his hold up plays phenomenal. And mm. you know, when you're when you're we're reliant obviously from his goals as well, his output's also phenomenal. Um but from from what you've seen there, like in terms of the squad building and the squad management, are you kind of pretty happy with where we're at? Or, you know, do you feel that actually what what we should probably do at this stage is potentially look at potentially investing in a couple of players that could maybe kick us on to another level and really secure that playoff place? Um, or do you feel that actually the current group we've got are, are doing the business and, you know, we, it's just a question of Dean refining his methods with them? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a tough one. I feel like, I actually feel like we're punching. I feel like we're punching way above our weight. I mean, you know, if we're being realistic, 18 months ago, we finished bottom of the league. Um, that's to, to, to where we are now from that, you know, finishing finishing bottom and only being saved from relegation because of COVID. What what Brennan has done is absolutely unbelievable. And if you think that that's where we've, you know, that's where we've come in 18 months, imagine where we're going to be in another 18 months. Um I think you you know I've I've learned now just to trust him you know whatever whatever decision whatever decision he makes whether that be uh before a game during a game I've just I've just put all my trust in Brendan now because he's got us to where we are I feel like he's always learning like men mentioned the south get south end game I think that was a massive learning curve in him as a coach for you know uh, as a manager um, I'm sure that game will live long in his memory um I'm I trust the players I trust the team we've got we do need another striker. I know it's you know everyone keeps saying it, but we do. I spoke to Nikki Kabamba after the after the uh, Wildstone game as well, and he he said he's he's knackered. That's why I was so happy these games have been postponed. The the Halifax game and, and Tuesday night, um, and you know we could really do with with this Saturday being called off as well. Really, if we want to go full out on Tuesday, but um, yeah, another striker just to bring on. You know when we're in that Wildstone game, I'm using that as an example as again because it was our last game. But the last 15, 20 minutes, bringing on a you know an energetic striker who can start the press, who can lead the the closing down from the front, and allows Nicky Nicky to come off you know after with with 20 minutes to go when he's done his job. Um, but yeah, no, like I said, I've got I've got full trust in that team now and that manager and and the recruitment as well. Um, the fact they picked out gems like Armstrong, he, he he just looks you know he's got a long long way to go and a long way to in his development, but. You can see him going on to be a real, real, real good player, um, and one of them players that you see has got potential already to, you know, go on and push into the football league. So, just got to trust everyone at the club, trust the players, trust the backroom staff, trust the manager, and yeah, just trust this direction we're going in because everything's ticking at the moment, and long may it continue. Man, just want to say, can you imagine what Marvin Armstrong is capable of with a full pre-season? I mean, the geezer literally only just gone full time, and the energy levels, the you know, the mobility is incredible, and that and the guys just literally just come from part time. People don't realise the bit how big a step that is to go from full time from part time football to full time football. I think Dean mentioned it in his interview with us earlier this season about how Connor Smith 
when he went from full-time to part-time, was going to struggle to ever get back up to the, the fitness levels he ever had as a full-time player. And to think that he's going around racing around the pitch, and that's without having done a proper full mm. pre-season. I think next season he could be a monster. He could be like a Kante. He reminds me. He reminds me of a Kante, but he all, he plays in the eight, doesn't he? Really, he doesn't really sit. He plays in that cam role almost, or the the sort of advanced midfielder role. Um, it's a bit yeah, of a no, Kante is a holding midfielder. Kante's not. He's a destroyer. He's a search and destroyer. If you look at it, if you look at where Kante's done best, he's done best with a sitter next to him, and then he goes and destroys. He goes and he goes and presses, and I think that's I think, what Armstrong could do. I think. I think that the. I think the key thing for Armstrong though is his, obviously his speed is just a massive asset, but he combines that with a really sharp footballing brain. And I think that's the thing that makes him really impactful. You know, I think in previous seasons, if you think about trying to close out a game, Barnett might bring on, you know, your Tom Champions and your Togwells. And I think those are, again, really good players to see those sort of games out. But Armstrong offers us something really different that enables us to be, retain that attacking threat. And if you kind of go back to the... Um, you know, to the, the Chelsea game, Charlie, I think one of the things that was really positive about that was that we, as you said, we, we went down to, you know, potentially went down, we went down to 10 men, didn't we? And then there was a kind of a bit of a risk that you might just sort of camp in and, and try and take penalties. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, you know, Armstrong was one of those subs and it was just like giving us a bit of that burst of energy. You know, I know Woods came on as well and, and DR and those guys, but Armstrong come on and it just, it almost is having like that sort of extra half man in there that makes you still so dangerous on the counter-attack. Yeah. Um, I guess one of the questions, though, and it is a theme we come back to quite a bit, is the kind of the ceiling for this team because we've seen, and you mentioned their South End, right? You know, we talked about the South End game where we were comprehensively beaten three um, nil. We've also had some some quite serious uh, challenges. You know, we played very well away at Wrexham, uh, Wrexham, sorry, but obviously didn't quite get the result. Like Charlie, you've been to the, the games most out of all of us. Like, where do you feel the ceiling for this team is? I think it's probably fair to say that automatics out of the picture. Playoffs is that is that a likelihood, or or what do you what do you kind of feel is a reasonable level of expectation if we're punching, as you say, above our weight at the moment? I think it has to be playoffs, especially. It would be different different conversation if we were talking now and we were we weren't in the playoffs. But you know, we're in the playoffs. I think we've got four four point gap between us and and um, eighth place. Um, it's a shame Tuesday got called off because it would have been a nice, you know, nice to try and get three points and then, you know, really solidify our spot in the playoff places at Christmas, um, you know, as opposed to that now being called off and us having to go to Notts County, who were top. Um, I feel like, you know, wherever you are at Christmas is a good indication to where you'll be at the end of the season. Um, that's not obviously not to say that we're going to guarantee ourselves a playoff spot, but I feel like with the quality we've got and the way we've been playing and, and the results we've been, um, you know, getting, you've got you've got to put us in the picture for playoffs. Um, and you know we're we're going to we're going to difficult places and getting good results. Um, like that, the, the off the back of the four the four results we've had. I mean, Oldham. Yes, Oldham weren't great, and they you know they're probably up there one of the worst teams I've seen this season, but. It's still, you know, it's a game of football. It's 11 v 11. Oldham's a big team. It's a big club. It's, you know, it's got that historic feel to it. And we went there and we absolutely turned them over. So I feel like, yeah, the, the table doesn't lie. We're fifth for a reason. Um, and we've got to, you know, really be proud of that and and trust that, you know, this team can, can, can go anywhere, really. 
And and I guess the, the sort of final thing before we we have a and bring in Laurie for some conversations his end um, goes to yourself, Mem. We've talked a little bit about some frustrations we've seen with the team in terms of in previous uh, months about just some naivety, defensive naivety. You know, we talked a little bit about being really open in transition and and you know conceding goals on the counter in a way that's that's been difficult for us to you know mean that we've got a secure grip on games. What do you, if you would sort of identify a couple of really key changes that Brennan's made, um, is there anything that's really stood out to you? I know you talked about the tactical setup a little bit, but is there anything that you've just seen a, a slight tweak in that's made a real difference to how we've been able to get a lot more control of games beyond just the sort of passing lanes and the, and the general defensive shape? Well, I think I sort of alluded to earlier, I think having a more settled back five unit it's been and actually having Beard come in has made us solidified that left side and has allowed Kanu to come inside and be a bit more um push on a bit more and be more offensive. I think that's one thing I've noticed. Um I think also one thing I noticed is a lot more urgency in the side to close players down. And we talked about this and when I was saying about the fact of you know, just dump somebody on the halfway line. If 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 the player's looking like he's going to get away, just dump him on halfway. So we seem a little bit more, a bit cuter in that. I've noticed there's been a few occasions where uh, one of our players has just roughly pushed somebody to the ground when they look like they're about to get away and just stopped, stopped to move in its tracks. But I've also noticed that, uh, other ones where two or three players have literally, you know, gone and pressed somebody and, you know, to stop them from breaking through. So that seems to be as well seems to be one of the things as well whereas before we were a bit too easy to get through now the players seem to be a little bit more driven to stop at source any uh, any moves happening um the games i've seen of late have, have been much much better at doing that um and i've noticed as well is another thing i've noticed as well winter he's a real attacking threat isn't he since he's been given a bit more license to get forward He's he's getting in amongst the goals and he's getting a lot of chances um, this season. He could end up with quite a few goals this season, I think. Winter, for, especially for for a right, right wing back, he strikes the ball really well. He uh, he's really beginning to sort of justify his his sort of you know fee uh, or not fee, but his his kind of reputation that he came in with. And um, Charlie, you well, finally before we go to Laurie, Charlie, uh, Memo sort of alluded to that. Are there any players that you think have sort of really picked up in the last two months that? have surprised you. You mentioned Armstrong a little bit earlier. I know we talked just there about um, about winter. Is anyone you've you've kind of noticed um, has really stepped up? Because there have been also some players that have slightly gone the other way insofar as, you know, Shields, who was brilliant at the start of the season. We're seeing him sort of drop a little bit more out of the side now, not get quite as many minutes um, as perhaps some of the other guys. Anything you'll end on, on what you've seen there in a positive sense or in a way that you've seen some improvements there? Yeah. Um, this might surprise a few people. But I think he deserves a lot of credit because he came in as what we thought was going to be a squad rotation player, um, a coach to Dean Brennan. Um, he was he's in his mid thirties, um, well mid to late thirties, um, and he's ended up because of you know injuries. He's ended up playing I think every single minute of every game this season, um, and his name is Jerome Akimo. If you hadn't already guessed. Um, and we were told beforehand he was Mr. Consistent and he'd always give you a seven and a half out of 10, no matter what, um, which sort of, you know, I was like, all right, I'm happy to have him in the team. But 
I feel like because of these played so many games and because the run we've gone on, um, he is he's been an absolute gem. Uh, just Mr. Consistent and and the rest. Like it's, the last six, seven games, he's been absolutely solid as a rock. And him and Danny Collins have created a real bond at the back. Um, but o- Oldham stands out. He's absolutely phenomenal away at Oldham. Um, and Torquay and Wildstone as well in the last two home games was absolutely solid. And I think he's just come on leaps and bounds, which is pretty weird saying that for a player who's, you know, on the back end of his career and who should really be on the touchline in a tracksuit helping Brennan out with his coaching skills. But um, no, I just wanted to give um, Akima a shout out because I feel like he's he's been an absolute rock at the back for us and he's been really, really impressive and someone that stood out over the last month or so. Well, speaking of rocks at the back, we are delighted uh, to be joined in a moment by Laurie Walker, um, who is uh, Barnet's number one and has been absolutely superb for us this season. So what we're going to do now is we're going to take a little break with ourselves and you'll hear us very shortly in a moment after this brief break where we're going to introduce Laurie and get into some conversation with him about how Barnet are performing from a player's perspective so far this season. Delighted to be joined by Laurie Walker, Barnett's number one. Laurie, first of all, thank you so much for coming on and, and welcome to this. This will boost the listenership beyond my mum. She'll be listening in as well. Laurie, just first of all, just take us back to the to the summer and sort of what sort of led you to, to joining Barnet and yeah, kind of what's led you to being in goal for a stay at the Hive? So I was over at Stevenage and, you know, it, it was a change of management who basically just come in and said to me, you know, you're surplus to requirements, which happens as part of football. Um, you can't really do a lot about that. And then I do have a previous pass with Barnet when I was a young kid at 19, I think it was. I come on trial and I think it might have been Ian Hendon who may have been the manager. Yeah. Um, and I was on trial as a 19 year old, um, a kid trying to make it in the game. And then obviously the opportunity come up to work with Dean Brennan again this season and it and it just all worked out perfectly you know you know the size of the club that Barnet is and obviously the places that they want to go and I, I want to be a part of that you know obviously I've got a very big winning mentality and a club like Barnet shouldn't in my opinion be in the National League they are a big club they've got all the infrastructure to be a great club as well um, you know we, we just need to keep pushing to get more fans in through the door that's the one thing that you know drives us on you know we always want to do well and it's great when we walk out and we hear you guys you know shouting and screaming and it, and it gives us that extra 2-3% to get over games you know the Wildstone game for example was unbelievable you know getting one up over on them as well makes it even sweeter but I'm sure it gave you guys something a lot like a lot to cheer about as well but when the opportunity come up in the summer to come to Barnet it was uh you know it was a it was a perfectly suited option for me you know I didn't have to leave my home here in Milton Keynes I get to work with Dean Brennan again who obviously I have a really strong relationship from Hemel and then it was just everything with the club as well like knowing the size of the club and everything that you know they want to achieve Interestingly, I didn't know that, that link with Ian Hendon because um, we've all been following the club for quite a while. We remember those those days there. So our fortunes might have been different if we'd had a 19-year-old year in goal for some of those seasons. I'm sure you've been very, very busy. Um, no, I, can say, I can tell you now, I wouldn't have been any used to at 19 years old, let me tell you that. Oh, mate, you didn't see some of the people you had before. Um, <laughs> but no, um, that's quality. And, and just secondly, before I hand over to Charlie, obviously you come into um, a, a kind of a club, it's got a really good buzz around it this season. Um, people feeling really positive. Obviously Dean's sort of, it's his sort of first real full 
season at least in the head coach role and stuff like that just what's it like to sort of be part of the side at the moment because from the fans perspective it looks like we've got a really good group of guys who are working their socks off and it seems like a real sort of tight-knit group is that is that what it's like at the moment inside the camp yeah we've you know Dean's assembled a very very good team um we have a lot of ability in the group we have a lot of togetherness in the group that's the one thing I'd say we have got a lot of it's togetherness. Um, when things are not quite going right or we're up against it, my biggest memory so far this season was Yeovil Town away. We were really up against it in the last sort of 10, 15 minutes, I'd say. But we've got that real togetherness to pull through games and, and that's where it's at. I feel like we've got a very good, strong group who, even against adversity, can pull through and, and get a result done. You know, we had a very sticky patch over the couple of games where we can some mad bizarre reason we conceded a, a hell of a lot of goals but you know it's I, th- I feel like we're coming out the other side of that now and that's all all through the hard work and togetherness of the lads that we've got and the boys who want to graft their socks off to obviously do well in this league because we know it's not an easy league and we know how tough it can be 100 percent. i'm gonna hand over to charlie who's got some uh, good questions for you as well go on charlie Oh, Laurie, mate, yeah. But I, you mentioned Yeovil there. I, w- I was at Yeovil and I remember you making a naughty save down to your low left late on. Um, we was right in the other corner, the opposite corner, and we thought it was game over then. But no, that was a great result. Um, firstly, I just want to say, I know you mentioned about your relationship with Dean and you obviously were with him at Hemel as well. As, as a footballer, that relationship you have with a manager that wants you to go back and work with him again, what does that stem from? Does that stem from just you two as like people or is it the way he coaches or like is there just a connection there that you can't explain? Like what, what is that that you wanted to sort of go and work for him again? Dean knew how to get the best out of me at Hemel. He, um, you know, he took me in as a young lad. He grew me as a player and as a person and, and took his time with me. Obviously, he was harsh with me, gave me a lot of harsh lessons at the time, but he got the best out of me. He gave me a harsh reality check when he basically told me he was bringing in another goalkeeper in my third, uh, second season at, at the end of my second season at Hemel. He, you know, sat me down and said, look, we're going to bring somebody else in. I went away for two years and then come back and played for him again. I come back a stronger, better goalkeeper, you know, so the, the, the things that he'd done for me in that first stint at Hemel was really sort of, you know, the reason as to why I come back to play for him because I have a good relationship with him personally anyway. But I also feel like he's one manager who can get the best out of me and know he knows my strengths down to a T. He doesn't ask me to do anything fancy. He lets me get on with my job. And, and that's why it's good to play for a manager like that. Nice. Um, I just want to touch on, it's a bit of a weird one, I think, for you lot and all of us fans. I mean, we got off to we got off to a great start. We were top of league end of August. Like, you know, we had the open the open season with the clean sheet at Halifax, clean sheet at Yeovil. Then we beat Yeovil, Woken and Eastley at home um, with a couple of draws in between that as well. And then we went through a patch of conceding five at Daggers, five at Wrexham, five at home to York, four, three at home to, to uh, Maidstone in that game midweek. What... And obviously we're out the back of that now, but what happened? Because the team didn't change and we didn't bring anyone else in. Like what happened in you that know, middle pack? It's it's a funny game football because it changes very quickly. And I feel like it was just at that moment in time, it was just, you know, we were we were just not quite clicking. We weren't quite finishing off our jobs properly. We weren't quite making that final end little run maybe to complete a run to clear a ball clearances weren't good enough at times you know 
and we just had momentary lapses, which is part of football. And, and against good teams, you get punished, unfortunately. And I feel like that is where that sort of stemmed from. It was just momentary lapses of concentration that cost us um, maybe a little bit of naivety from us in the league because we had such a good start. Um, and then we realised very, very quickly that we needed to put that to bed and, and really sort of turn it around very quickly because this league can swallow you up very, very quickly. I mean, you look at the teams like who have come down from the league this year, Oldham, Scunthorpe, you know, they're really, really struggling because they thought it was going to be an easy league. And, you know, by far this league is the toughest league that I've played in. 100%. I wanted to ask you, follow up on that on that question, because we covered that period um, in a podcast quite quite a lot, and um, we, we sort of dug in. And looking at the some of the, some of the goals we conceded, I know there were some, some odd mistakes, but it felt to us as supporters that it was too easy to go from, for a team to go from front line to, and be on our back four within seconds. So football is about mentality. It's very, very easy to... We, it's very easy to get into a rut where you, you score a goal and then anxiety sets in and you then concede straight away. Mm. And that was what was happening with us. We, I feel like we got into such a hole that we concede, we'd concede. We'd score first and then we'd get to a point where we'd go, oh no, we're definitely going to concede. And the anxiety would set in, hence the rushed clearances, hence the bad decisions from like people and stuff like that. But it is, a you know, mentality in football is massive and it can swing. And if you do get, it's like losing. Teams that lose constantly lose because they get into this worry and they play defensively, they play within themselves. I feel like we just got into a little bit of a hole where we we would score first, but then concede straight away. Because if you looked at the goals we conceded, they were always like either right at the end of the game. So we'd get anxiety towards the end of the game thinking, right, we're two and up, we've got to hold out and then it go pear-shaped. Or we'd score and then a team would score straight away. You know, so we, we went through this real stage and it was a mentality thing that we had to really work on and to shift to stop that from happening, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, totally. But there was also, I've noticed lately, and it was really noticeable in the Wildstone, that the team was defending far more as a unit than they were mm -hmm. in that period. Where that is hours and hours on the training pitch. We've spent, we've it. gone through so many different things. We've gone through so many different scenarios. The coaching staff have picked up everything, um, and we've just been out on the pitch hammering it daily to to get it right because we know you keep clean sheets and you win games. It's that simple, and that's that's why we are where we are at the moment because we've worked so so hard on the training pitch. We've now got to a point where. You know, everyone knows their job thoroughly. Everyone knows what they're doing. Everyone knows that they have to go to the final line to get the job done. Um, and it was just literally hours of graft on the training pictures. We didn't like conceding goals. You know, I obviously, I had a very few uh, choice words to say, shall we, shall we put it that way, after Wrexham. Um, but no, we we went out on the training pitch. The boys, this is what we've got with this group. The boys are absolutely fantastic. And when something needs put in right, first thing we do is we discuss it, we debrief it, we get out on the training pitch and we put it right. And we will literally stay there until we get it right. And then it's and that's what's showing for you now. How did it feel against um, against Wildstone? They, they couldn't even, they barely laid a glove on us. And they, we literally just kept pushing them out to the wings. I noticed it was really noticeable. The ball, every time they got the ball, they just could not get where they wanted to get. And we were just kind of like just <laughs> moving them away from the goal. That's what it felt I like. Say, I, won't, I won't say what I want to say, but um, I'll say I'll give you the professional answer. But um, no, we've done our homework. We've done what we needed to do. And, um, you know, the, the game plan worked perfectly <laughs> and it shut them out. So... 
let's uh, let's move on from that question because I don't get myself in trouble. <laughs> Laurie, Laurie, one one thing I want to ask you because it's very entertaining, <laughs> and as a like lifelong fan of your football club, it's something you absolutely love to see, and I've noticed you do it on more than one occasion at home games and away games. I'd like to say, excuse my language, you're a little bit of a shit house when it comes to <laughs> comes to the away fans um, at the Hive. Is that something you've done throughout your career? Uh, or is it just something you brought into Barnet? It's something I've done as I've got older and more confident in my own ability. As I, When I was a kid, I was a nervous wreck. This is why I said to you boys, like I would have been no good for you at 19 years old. Um, but you pick your battles. You pick your battles wisely. Do you know what I mean? And you've got to be smart with it. Because the thing is, we're, we've... With, with away fans if you're going to give it to them you've got to expect it back do you know what I mean um, yeah. and I think as I've got big enough and old enough and ugly enough now I can kind of uh, you know what buttons to press to make people sort of uh, to, to get people wound up should we say and if you know when we're in a strong position if they're giving you abuse there's no point in uh, standing there and taking it you might as well start winding them back up um, <laughs> and they do tend to uh, <laughs> they do tend to lose their heads quite quickly which is actually really amusing to be fair but I didn't think anyone would be uh, watching that but I love it <laughs> <laughs> Did the Wildstone Razor off a wait Raider offer you out? I don't know. I don't I think I even know if he was there to be honest. I don't even know if they had any. I remember Maidstone, like, Maidstone at home, Maidstone at home on a Tuesday night. They they were rattled. I remember at the end. It was <laughs> all trying honest, to lean over the railing. To be honest, Maidstone and Wildstone, I didn't even know they had any fans there. They were that quiet. So hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Laurie, I've got I've got um I've just got a question, mate. Just you, you touched there on just on the footballing side of things, you touched there on Wrexham and some of the big clubs in the league. And I think you know, we've all been saying, I think the quality that you brought into the into the goal and into the side has been absolutely massive for us. Um, but one of the things that I'm really interested in is just like the National League, obviously, with like Wrexham, your Chesterfields, you know, obviously we came up against even a, a very decent York side. Um, like as a as a sort of goalkeeper, have you like been impressed by the quality of the division? Have you have you sort of noticed anything in there? Cause you're coming up against the likes of like you know, Langstaff and, and Paul yeah. Marlin and those guys. I mean, it must feel like, is it quite similar to Rep to Stevenage in some ways? And that in sort it's, of- it is, it's literally a league too. When I spent my time at Oldham when I was at MK, um, I actually come off the pitch after my first game against Cambridge and I said, do you know what, Dad? I said, it's harder to play in the National League than what it is in the Football League. You know, you get a little bit more time in the Football League. It's not as physical. It's not as rough. It's, you've, you know, it's, it's a little bit quicker moving pace. But in the National League, you've got the physicality, you've got teams who will play football, you've got teams who will load the box and just want to literally nail you. And it, you, you come up against so many different varieties in the National League, whereas in the Football League, it's a lot about football, football, football. Um, but, you know, when you, when you come up against your teams like your Wrexham, your Yorks, Chesterfields, you know, they're tough games because, let's face it, those clubs are huge, huge clubs who, you know, have spent many, many years in the Football League, um, you know, and, and yeah, to be honest, sometimes you look at their budgets and you go, Gee, how can you even get close to competing with what they've got? Because they've literally got endless pots of money. But, you know, I, I would pitch us against any of them sides nowadays, um, you know, because if I think now, if we played Chesterfield now, at this stage of the season we're at, I feel like we'd beat them. I feel like we'd definitely beat them 100%. We were in that for so long. We were in that game for so long. Without a shadow of a doubt, I think their quality and their, you know, their their quality definitely shone through. And the fact of you know the quality that they can even bring off the bench because, like I say, they've just got endless amounts of people that they can get whoever they want basically, and it and it, and it does give them that little bit of an advantage. Do you know what I mean? I saw something the other day that we we've Wrexham have conceded twenty goals this season. Mm. We were a quarter of that 
It's crazy. Honestly, Wrexham, how we didn't win that game, I can't give you an answer. But again, I think it come down to the anxiety thing. You know, we come in at half-time level and we were like, just hold on. And obviously they can they, they scored straight away after half-time, which I think killed us a little bit because they got obviously two in quick succession. Um, but I feel if we weren't in that anxiety stage that we had of like conceding mm. and stuff like that, I feel like we would have definitely 100% have beaten them as well. Mm. Obviously, goalkeeping is such an interesting like kind of position so far as how it's changing and obviously at the top level it's changed quite a lot with the distribution and like the feet work side of things and stuff like that and you see some of that coming back down now to the sort of like the lower leagues and, and where we are as well and the distribution and all that sort of stuff what what sort of things do you as like Dean asked you to really focus on beyond like the, the obvious like shot stopping and communication is there anything to your game that you feel like you're you're really sort of developing at Barnet or an area that he's really asked you to think about in terms of how we're trying to play the, the game tactically at all Dean doesn't really get involved with the goalkeeping. It's my goalkeeper coach, Mel. Um, so I worked yeah. with Mel at Stevenage um, and really, really pushed to get Mel in, obviously, to Barnet because he's another one who knows me and knows how to really work me and get the best out of me. Um, you know, and with Mel, there's no, there's no strengths, there's no weaknesses. You work on your whole game as a whole. And you, we, we work specifically sometimes to what we're going to come up against. If we're coming up against a long throw, for example, we will try and then replicate in training certain drills that are going to replicate, you know, I don't know, maybe a cross comes in, it's a bad header and then the striker shoots and reacting to it or just picking up the flight of the ball coming through players, coming through mannequins. So Dean doesn't really have a lot to do with the goalkeeping side of things. He'll, have, he'll give me a game plan and then I action it with myself, obviously Mel, Amen. And we'll just sort of, that's that's where we go with that. We've got quite a few fans who tweeted in um, once they knew you was on the podcast. We've got uh, picked up three or f- uh, four or five to read from. So we've got one from Robin Thomas. Um, and I agree with this, by the way. I've us We were talking after the Wellstone game in a bar. And I think I've been coming Barnet since 2000. So that's over 20 years. And I'd definitely put you, without a shadow of a doubt, in, in the top three best keepers I've seen at the club. Without a shadow of a doubt. And and that caught this this tweet from Robin Thomas sort of um, goes with what I'm saying. So he's put Laurie. It's almost unfathomable that you've played such little football above the National League South, uh, National League, and slash National League North. Has that been partly your choice, or have you not been given the opportunities over the years to play more full time? Is there an issue with EFL managers not trusting league keepers? Because if a goal scorer at that level gets picked up by a club several leagues higher on the back of one prolific season. Is it fair to say that it's much harder for a keeper to work their way up through the leagues? Right. So, obviously, I've, play, I've played... Majority of my games that I've played have been um, Southern Premier League, Conference South level. Um, I've spent, obviously, a lot of time with Hemel, Oxford City. I went to Brackley, Leamington. Yeah, so... And then, obviously, did I, I started out at Kettering Town in the National League uh, years and years ago. That was when I was really young. Um so yeah obviously most of my games have been around the non-league level um, football's a funny one so my opportunity come and I'm forever grateful for Keith Curl for giving me that opportunity to take me on an emergency loan um, to Oldham two seasons ago um, and obviously it worked out really well because I've done really well um, but, out, but situations out of my control meant that I wasn't able to sign for them sadly because obviously that would have been an opportunity to play more league football but Football league is very, very, very funny. It is, it is very much of a, if your face fits, you will do well. Um, I'll be openly honest, Steve Evans at Stevenage, you know, he come in, he'd never seen me kick a football. He didn't know anything about me, sat me down and turned around and went, I don't want you here. I want you gone. 
and and that was made off that was a decision made off the back of the fact that he'd never seen me kick a football. So sometimes it doesn't matter what you do in the game, people just will not give you that opportunity, whether it's a trust thing or not. They just don't they just overlook you straight away and they'll always go for somebody who's potentially played, whether the keeper's better than you or not, they'll go for somebody who's played 30, 40, 50 more league games than you because it's that tag that they've got. Um, but what people don't realise and what these managers fail to realise is that keepers in the National League, players in the National League, are, and this is going to sound really, really arsy, but they're uh, 10 times better than what there is in the Football League. And it's a, it's a real funny one because, you know, Obviously, everyone wants to play in the Football League, you know, and it, it it's one of them where if your face doesn't fit or a manager's not feeling you, there's nothing you can do about it. And that was exactly the situation I had at Stevenage with Steve Evans was the case that, you know, he just literally sat there, looked at me and just went, I don't want you. And that was that was off the basis of nothing. At MK, it was a slightly different situation. I knew I was going in there as a number three originally, um, working my way through, trying to push to be a number two slash one. And then but with Milton Keynes' philosophy, they build on a very young, youthful side. And I'm obviously not getting any younger. But, you know, Liam Manning, when he told me to go to Stevenage, was openly honest. And he's one of the first managers who's actually been thoroughly, thoroughly honest with me and sat me down. He went, look, I love you as a person. He's like, you're a great character around the place. He said, but the best you'll ever be for me is a number two because we need a youthful, youthful goalkeeper and somebody who, you know, we can develop. And, you know, I respect that more than anything than some of the rubbish you get off of managers because he was open and honest about it. And he literally was thinking about my career first rather than his own self-gain because he could have quite easily sat there to me and said, look, I want you around. You're so good around the changing room, blah, 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 blah. But he didn't. He cut me straight down the middle. So I think that tweet hits the nail on the head. I do feel like it is a lot down to managers looking and going, these National League goalkeepers aren't good enough, you know, which is a shame because there's, you know, there's a lot of good goalkeepers in this league who could more, 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 more than capably step up and play in the football league without a shadow of a doubt. So it is, it's, a, it's a shame because it's, it is a lot about politics in the football league. And so, sort of like if your face fits, you've got an opportunity. But if it doesn't, sadly, you, um, it doesn't matter what you do, you sort of get, you know, because my last game, I, I ended up playing the last game of the season for Stevenage and actually won in the game single-handedly. But still, that wasn't enough to show that you can be trusted and, you know, ended up, you know, for the best. Because I'm obviously, I'm absolutely delighted with where I am and I'm absolutely loving my time here, you know. But it's just how these things work out sometimes. But it is very, very political. Agree with you on that. People I've spoken to, if you've come in for, with, a, with a coach who has known you for years and stuff, they'll always back you. But if you've come in and you're, you know, without having known that person before in the past, mm. They're not interested in, in they're not interested in um giving you a chance. They're not even interested in looking at you because they're like, I've already got this guy in the background that I know for years. Yeah, it is it is very it can be very much like that. It can be a case of right, um, I've got this guy who I take everywhere with me. Um and that's that, you know. But the, there's no point in sitting there going, it's all if if buts and maybes, you know. At the end of the day, if you can't if you've got a manager who likes you, there's likelihood he's gonna take you everywhere that he goes with him. Um, and it's you know the football league very, very is is massively rife for that. You can't take it personally. If you take it personally, that's when it starts to become a problem because that's when it starts to affect you. Football's a brutal industry, you know. And at the end of the day, and as as much as I hate to say it, but I'm an open and honest person, is going to get to a point where I'm not going to be able to physically do what I do anymore, and I am going to get replaced by somebody who's younger than me and fitter and sharper, you know. And that's just the way the game is. And but you can handle that a bit better than when somebody just overlooks you for no reason. But like I say, you've got to be strong-skinned and 
it, it's one of them that is what it is and that's football for you I've got another question for you this Barnet side if you dropped us in League 2 where do you think it would finish? I honestly you know it's hard because the football league is so strange you know you could go either way you could literally fly you could you could sink it's one of them it depends how you get off to a start and it's hard to say because you know I, you know, we would never be in trouble in the football league. I can tell you that now from what I've seen. We'd never, we'd never face relegation. Would we have enough to go up? I potentially feel like, I feel so, yes, 100%. Because, you know, we've just got to look at the teams we're competing with at the moment who are all strong, strong, solid, old ex-football league sides. Some, you know, who have even been up in the championship. You know, we're toe-to-toe with Accrington for nearly 90 minutes. No league one. I honestly, don't start me on Accrington. That one, that is a bit of pill to swallow because we, you know, how we, we should have, yeah, I don't know. I can't give you an answer on that one, but that, that one stresses me out a lot. <laughs> but that just shows you, though, that just shows you that diff- you know, there's, not much, there's not much of a golfing class between conference and and League One, bottom of League One. With our, with our with our team that we've got, a hundred percent, we would never be in trouble in the football league, and I can, I, I can say that for a, a fact. Laurie, just uh, one of the other questions on there that might put us uh, in a bit of trouble uh, in, in returns to sort of keeping clean sheets and stuff. It's a question from Johnny. Uh, so I love this question. He says, "You're not playing, Laurie, because you're an international duty. Which outfield player would replace you in goal at Barnet?" Who replaced me in goal? <laughs> <laughs> we, you know what? I, I think, I think uh, before we before we get you to answer, I'm just going to ask Charlie and them to chip in with who they think would be decent in goal. Charlie, you go yeah. first. I'm going to have to go just because of his height. I'm going to have to go Nicky. Nicky in goal. I'm going to have to go Nicky in goal. Give me two secs and I'm going to, I'm going to have a little think. Can you have to I'm put me in goal instead? <laughs> What's that? Can you have to put a mannequin of me in goal instead? <laughs> I want to go for Musa. That's my one. Oh. <laughs> Man, he won't get, uh, get down quick enough. No, I think Musa's getting nutmegged all the time. <laughs> I, think, I think Musa's getting nutmegged. Um, I think for me, I would honestly, I think, because he's an absolute head case, I, I'd go with Connor Smith. I yes. think, I think Connor Smith would be all right in goal, to be fair. Like, we had Hawley in goal the other day, actually, which was quite funny, but he's just a baby and he was jumping out of, out of the way of everything. So, <laughs> I've, I've got, so I've got, I've got one. Danny Collinge. He's, I reckon he will have his angles because he's like so, so studious. I reckon yeah. he's worked out all his angles. He's very yeah, I'd, intelligent. Roll, I'd, I'd roll with that. I think I'd go Connor Smith or, or, or Danny for sure. Wicked. Uh, Charlie, any other questions you've got from Twitter on there, mate? Yeah, Mem, do you want to read one out from the Twitter? Yeah, of course. So I've got one here. Personally, I'd say you're up there with the best. This is from James Ogborn. Um, he says, you've been fantastic since you joined. Such a great character, professional, solid in between the sticks. Personally, I'd say you're up there with the best without a doubt. Are you looking to stay at Barnet long-term and push to get back into the Football League? My contract's for two years. You know, I'm happy here. I'm happy playing. I love the place. I love the fans, I love you guys. You just, the support that you guys show us. Um, and like I said in my interview at the start of the year, I haven't come here to just make up numbers and just coast through the season. I've come here to do something. I want to get promoted. I want to get Barnet back to where they belong in the Football League. You know, so I, I, I've come here to do a job and that's the job I want to do. I mean, obviously, it's down to other people around the club as to whether they extend my contract or not. You know, but I'm here to do a job. I love the club. 
and you know I want to push it to get back to where it should be in the football league I'm not here to just sit around and you know just go all right we'll just sit mid table and be happy with that like I say I'm I, I like to win you can see how much it means to myself at times because obviously I'm very uh you know I can I can get a bit carried away with celebration sometimes hence the winding up winding up for fans uh, um <laughs> But now, obviously, the lads are, the lads love winning, um, and the changing room is always bouncing afterwards. You know, I'll, I can speak for myself and everyone else. You know, the boys love the club, and you know we really want to drive the club to promotion, and we're not just here to just sit and 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 coast through in mid table at all. Laurie, I was going to say Saturday, May the thirteenth. Um, I've blocked out on my calendar that day is the uh, playoff final at Wembley. We all is that the is that, is that the aim? Is that sort of the goal for everyone at, at this stage? Automatic would be brilliant. Automatically would be brilliant, but it's going to take, oh, and I'll be honest with you, it's going to take a lot to catch Notts County because um, they are a hell of a team. Um, my old assistant manager from MK is the manager there, Luke Williams, and he is meticulous with what he does. And he is, you know, he's got everything at his, his disposal as well. Um, I'm not saying we would never catch them at all, you know, because football changes very quickly. And it and it can happen, but you know the goal is to get promotion. How we get promotion? I'll be honest with you, I don't care. As long as we get promotion, I don't care whether it's automatic or whether it is through the playoffs. As long as we get promotion, that is the end goal for me. That's what we like. Well, you have got a few questions, Mem. Do you want to? Oh, sorry, Charlie, I didn't mean to interrupt you, mate. No, I was just going to say, what, I don't know if you're aware, but there's a big thing at the minute. Um, to there's a petition going online to get the free up, free down from the National League into League Two because. You, unless unless you go up automatically and win the league, you're in the playoffs. Um, do you think that's something that should um, you know go ahead? Because like you said, it's the hardest league. Sorry, you, man, you, cut out, you cut out a little bit there. They say they're looking at free up, free down. Well, there's a petition going. I know the national league. There's been talks with the national league because you know it's it's pretty unfair. You either win the league or you're in the playoffs. Do you yeah. think for you know the incentive um, to get that second get spot? I think yeah. it'd be a great idea. I think I don't know why they don't do one and two automatic, then playoffs. I feel like it's you know I feel like it'd be a great ins- it, it it just gives people more to play for. Um, they started by extending the playoffs places already, which gave which keeps the season alive for more teams more. Um, but yeah, definitely it gives teams more incentive, you know, to to really keep pushing. Um, teams shouldn't need to be driven anyway, you know, but everyone in life is driven by incentives, and when that there would be a, an even bigger incentive. So I'm I'm all for it. I think they should do it 100. Mm. It's, it's actually the football league uh, clubs that don't want to vote, for, be turkeys voting for Christmas. But I actually think it's quite short sighted. Um, it's because they don't want to get kicked out. It's because they don't want to get relegated because they know they won't get out. You look at Oldham as comfort. That's the yeah. problem. Is is what they're doing is by making it by keeping it to two. If they do fall into the trap door, they make it impossible for them to get to get back. Where if you do three up, three down if you do fall into the relegation spot and you have a bad season, you've got much, you've got the, the chance of them getting up are a little bit, a, little, a bit easier. Um, we can only hope. We can only hope. I think, yeah, fingers crossed. I've got, I've got a couple of questions for you, a bit more uh, sort of um, fun ones. In a team, who's got the highest ceiling in the team? Like really push on. We've obviously we've lost Efron. Uh, who, um, who's the next do you know one? we've got so many players like I, I, I'll be honest with you I can't give you one there's a few you've got Danny Collins who is ridiculous um, one of the best centre-halves I've played with uh, Iddy Kanu's ridiculous Nicky Kabam honestly I could go on like these boys are just frightening but the, you know if I had to really be knuckled down it would be Danny and Idris I would say and Ryan de Havilland as well who you know really could kick on to the next level as well because they're just 
Oh, no, just brilliant. So, all right. So, if I had you, those three, what level do you reckon they could play at? Put you on the spot. Jeez. Uh, I feel like they could easily, easily championship level. Easily. How, how, like, how, how Danny Collins hasn't been given a chance in the football league, football league yet is beyond me. He's, he's one of the best, one of the best I've seen at Barnet. It's I've, beyond I've, me. He hasn't played yet. So intelligent. His, his awareness on the pitch of, just like like Mem said earlier, his angles and just it's just mind blowing sometimes to watch him and how comfortable he is and how much he gets us out of trouble. He's the best one v one defender I've, I've seen at Barnet. I think for best one v one. Yeah, Ricardo Santos is probably the only other player I knew I can think of who one v one. If they were isolated out on the wing, one v one, you'd still expect him to come out with the ball. Mm. Just because he's got, like you said, his angles. Uh, and I think actually, didn't Dino say in, in our interview? So we did an interview, um, Laurie, with um, with Dean Brennan at the beginning of the season um, before Charlie joined us. And Dean said that actually one of the things that they picked out was he asked Efron who was the hardest player he played against. And Efron said Danny, because um, he, he just couldn't get past him because he got his angles right, got his body shape right, and he just was, he couldn't get around him. Um, that was a Dover game, over at home, wasn't it? Yeah, and he wrote Danny, down, is, and Danny is a very Danny is a very intelligent and a very good defender. Like he is everything that you want in a centre half. That's good. The other question I had for you as well, Laurie, who's got the best showboat in in training? Sean Shields is quite good at that, to be fair. Shields is Shields' feet. I've never seen somebody move their feet so quickly in all my life. He is um he is very, very good. Him and to be fair, him and Rob Hall. Him and Rob Hall are very, very gifted players with the ball at their feet. Very, very gifted players with the ball at their feet. Who's who's usually at the victim of their um of their showboat? <laughs> I don't know. There's always people getting nutmeg for fun. To be fair, Danny Danny Collins. To be fair, doesn't mind a nutmeg. <laughs> he likes a nutmeg. You say he's good at defending, but he does. He doesn't <laughs> mind a nutmeg at all. To be fair to him. Just just uh sort of finally, Laurie. Just don't want to take up too much of your time, mate. But just last one from me. I think obviously the club's got a really good buzz about it this year. There's a lot of younger lads like the Amber Battalion on the side who are really getting behind the behind the team and making a bit of noise, especially at the Wilston game. Just in terms of the fans and stuff, like how do you find the sort of relationship with them? And have you sort of noticed anything on the sidelines that sort of give you guys a bit of a boost? And yeah, just kind of what sort of message you have for us kind of going forward this season? Do you know what? we As a group, we would thank you guys for sticking by us so far because we went through a really rough patch and you guys still turned out in your numbers. Um, obviously, we want, to, we want to stack the stands out. We want as many people as possible coming through the door. You know, we want to push it as much as possible. And we, we hope the way we perform on the pitch will help people do that. But just the more noise you guys generate, the more it just pushes us through on the pitch as well. Because we, it's not that we don't acknowledge it whilst we're on the pitch. Obviously, we've got a job to do, but... It is noticeable. And when you guys are in full voice and you're, you know, you're at it, it, it really, really pushes us on and really drives us on. And, you know, as a group, we do thank you for supporting and standing by us so far this, this season because we did go through a really rough patch, you know, and, and that's never easy to watch when you're conceding that many goals in every single game and you guys are biting your nails. But look, just keep sticking by us and, you know, please keep turning out in your numbers because when when we walk out and we hear you guys roar, it literally gives us a boost from the off and we haven't even kicked a ball. And when the noise starts picking up, it really, really does give us that extra 2%, 3% as well. And that is massive. You guys, you know, can really be that 12th man that we need. And, you know, you've already been that this season as well. Um, so just keep that up. And that's all I can say really is just keep that up and just keep sticking by us, you know. 
and we will uh, do everything we can to deliver for you. And we'll always, the one thing you'll always get from us is a million percent. We'll always give you everything we can. No, we could definitely see that. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's anything else from you, Charlie, but just from me, Laurie, just massively grateful for your time and absolute quality. No, no worries at all, boys. I just want to just want to ask one one last quick question. Um, obviously, next Tuesday we've got we're going away to Notts County, who are obviously absolutely flying. I think if they if they get a result against us next week, I think they go seven points clear, which is all I've seen on their Twitter. They keep mm-hmm. tweeting if we beat Barnet, we go seven points clear, Wrexham at Christmas, blah blah. So I think they're they're expecting three points. What's, um, you know, as a, as a keeper going up there, I know they've got the non-league Harland up front as well uh, in Langstaff. What's your sort of mindset going up? What, what's going to be sort of the mood in the in the dressing room? Do we think we can go there and get three points? Is that is that what it's going to be? 100%. 100%. If, we, if we're not going there expecting three points, we don't need to be going there at all. We might as well just give them the points straight away. But I can tell you now, we are going there to win. We're not going there to roll over and be and take part in a game, in a showboat game. We're going there to win. It's that simple. And, you know, we'll give them everything we've got to get that result. So, you know, we're not going there thinking, right, we'll just sit in and take a draw. We are literally going there for three points because we're in a title race as well. It's not just about them. We are mm-hmm. in a title race as well and we're chasing. So... Oh, man. Well, thanks, Larry, man. We really appreciate your time. Um, no and listen, good luck, good luck for Saturday, good luck for Tuesday, and yeah, up the bees. No, I appreciate it, guys, and we'll uh, we'll see you on the uh, we'll see you Saturday. Cheers, yeah, mate. Nice Cheers, Cheers, bye bye. Well, massive thanks there to Laurie for his time and um, really good of him to answer some questions. And thank you to you guys as well for sending in all your questions to us. And what we're going to do in the final part of the pod then is just have a little look ahead uh, to the games that are coming up on the 26th and the 2nd of January. Boreham Woods. I seem to start most of my boxing day standing next to men and half my family on a freezing cold terrace at Boreham Wood watching a dreadful game of football, uh, which often is the only game that my mum my brother and my girlfriend will come back to you for another year. So hopefully this season, it won't be another boring nil-nil or one-nil loss. Um, but Mem, what are your kind of expectations and hopes? And interesting what Charlie said earlier about the points total, four, I think it's five points from, from eighth. I think where we need to be aiming for is Chesterfield. Because if we can carry on this run and we aim for Chesterfield and try and hunt them down, that makes a big difference in the playoffs. Because if you finish second and third, you don't play as many games. So we can't, second is probably out of our reach, but third is is definitely a carrot that we can, you know, we can go for. Going back to Bournemouth, yeah, Bournemouth, I think, again, I'd quite happily do, like, like that game we played against them where we won 1-0 and just totally, like, just fought for that 1-0. I could happily do two of those results over the holiday period, Boxing Day and New Year's. And, uh, and I think it probably end up being like that as well, to be honest. Charlie, what about yourself, mate? How do you see those games panning out? Yeah, the Bournemouth games. I don't know if you remember last year, Bournemouth, they're obviously in the third round of the FA Cup this year and they're, they're playing against Atkinson. And if you remember last year when they went on their FA Cup run, the FA Cup run also came with a decline in the league. They were flying at one. I think they were second at Christmas um, and they ended up you know, beating Bournemouth in the FA Cup and then going to Everton. And um, in that period, they just had a huge decline. And that was when we actually played them at the Hive off the back of that. Um, so I'm hoping, you know, they're not they're not too strong this year in the league. I think they're just outside the playoffs. Um, but with this FA Cup run, they're going to be playing at Quinton on the 7th of Jan, I think it is. So 
um, our games, you know, are, are the lead up for them in the FA Cup. So I don't know if they're a cup team and they're going to be focusing on that, um, the money it will bring in and stuff, whether, you know, their chairman's Danny Hunter's pushing for Luke to, to get a result in that game. You know, they're going to have them, they're going to have one eye on that for sure. The players won't want to get injured. Um, so I think it's a really good time to play Boreham Wood, you know, back to back in the space of a week over Christmas with our form that we're in and the fact that they're still in the FA Cup and they're going to have one eye on that. You know, I'll, I'll take four out of six points, but I'd love I'd love to get six. And I'd love us to score at Boreham Wood as well, because I've been Boreham Wood the last four years and I've not seen us score. So a goal would be lovely. <laughs> We've all been there, mate. I, I mean, I, I do think at some point I'll be... You know, be the three of us shuffling around with a, a stick on the terraces like some of the old geezers and and uh, and waiting and saying, "Were you there when when we scored at Boreham Wood?" Um, I really hope we do. I think my my expectations are probably a, a slightly. I think that you guys have nailed the, the on pitch performance. I think for me, the other thing that's key is, I think having this little winter break as it's been with the cold weather has been brilliant for us. I do think it's really important we get through these games without any major injuries. I think the one. The one thing we're not we're missing in our armory is the ability to go and spoil a game away from home and, and get a result against a really good side. And I think this is a really good test for the group and just to see if we can really control those games. I think the Wrexham game, you know, by all accounts was an incredible spectacle, but it, it was one that was by definition of a 7-5 game out of control. And I think, yeah, as I said, Mem, I think spoiling it would be brilliant uh, to get the result there. Um, but yeah, Boreham Wood, I think we've got to be looking if we're if we're really serious about this season about getting getting the points there. I think we're a better side than them. I think they're weaker than they were last year. I think that's reflected in the table. And as you said, Charlie, they're gonna be focusing on the on the FA Cup. Um so fingers crossed we can we can get um a, a bit of a result uh, there. Um final thing for me, uh, chats before we, we round things off. Uh obviously it's uh it's Christmas time, so uh, we're in the mood of giving out a few presents. Charlie, if you were to uh ask Father TK. Uh, or Father Christmas, as it were, for a present uh, in the form of either a signing or a result or anything over the Christmas period, what would it be? Double win over Boreham If that happens, that will make my year. Love it. Uh, ben? A nice striker. I'd like a like, boxed-up striker coming in, unwrap him, get him to come on 20 minutes to go, banging, banging the last-minute winner against Boreham Love it. I, I mean, I'm going to keep this. I want a last-minute winner in front of that terrace uh, at Boreham And in my football manager save 2023, when I got Barnet promoted, first time of asking. So, Dina, if you want any tips, I'm here to give them. We scored a penalty in the 95th minute away at Boreham and I celebrated it like we got it. So, I want a real-life one, please, this Christmas. That's what I'm asking uh, for. We're on telly as well. We're on telly on Boxing Day, so we've got to put up a show. Yes. Yes, we do. Well, on that note, guys, um, thank you so much for joining me. A massive thanks to Laurie as well. Um, apologies, I think, as ever to all of our loyal fans and listeners for for not being as, as uh, frequent as we'd like to be. But um, we, we're all quite busy. But we're really, really happy that you've been able to join us. And we're really hopeful that in 2023, we can keep going and provide some really good pods, but also just get some players on as well and, and just kind of just keep talking about the club that we love. Um, so massive thanks to you, Charlie. Cheers, guys. Cheers, Laurie. Nice thanks. Nice thanks to you, uh, Mem. And uh, yeah, everyone have a lovely and safe uh, Christmas period. We hope to see you at some games and we look forward to chatting to you all in 2023. Cheers, guys. Cheers.